Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA. Well, one time I was working in my tree business and I went out to give a bid on a small tree to be removed. An Asian lady came out and says, I want you remove tree quickly. I says, sure, for a hundred bucks. Okay, you come tomorrow. So I sent my crew out tomorrow and they came back in the afternoon and said, uh, we tried to remove that tree, but the Asian lady wouldn't let us. I said, well, why? She just told me yesterday she wants it removed. So I went back out there and the Asian lady comes out and he says, why not you remove my tree? I said, I sent my crew out to remove it. You remove my tree as we agree. Okay, I'll send them out. So the next day I send my crew out and again they come back and they say, she won't let us touch the tree. She screamed at us. And so I went out there a third time and I said, what's going on? I've sent my crew out twice. You removed tree. Then I looked at her very closely and said, do you have a twin? Oh. She did. <laughs> this is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led Christians everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, thanking Him for His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and we look forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you anoint this message that we are about to deliver to your people. We ask that you speak and that your truth and your heart be transported through our words into the hearts and minds and spirits of those that are listening. Open them to receive you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Round Town, USA. Christy, as always, is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is More Will Be Given. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm happy and well-adjusted. How are you? I'm pretty good. <laughs> I remember that so clearly. I was so confused. They were identical, identical twins. Identical twins, and obviously they didn't have the same opinion about the they tree. They did not have the same opinion at all. <laughs> we finally cut down the tree. It was like five minutes to cut down the oh, tree, and man. I spent Took like three it. or four hours. <laughs> you know, I didn't make money on that. Oh, man. That's funny. Today I want to talk to you about how more will be given to you. We're asking God to reveal to us His will so that we can do it, so that more will be given. And... This is a very common theme in people's lives that they have needs. You know, you always have something that is not quite right and then you're praying to God that he will help you take care of it or he will change the situation or will make opportunities appear. You're basically asking him to move on your behalf. And the Bible says that God gives talents and some he gives one, some he gives five, some he gives ten. He gives these talents not so that we can hoard them and keep them to ourselves, but that we can use them for a profitable endeavor so that when he returns, we can say, you gave us five, but we're giving you back ten. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'll put you over ten cities. So the principle is that if you take what God has given you, use it wisely and increase his kingdom, he'll give you more responsibility. He'll give you reward, essentially. And so I wanted to talk to you about that, because I think that 
Some people don't understand that God does not give you things simply to use it for yourself only. He gives it so that you can help him further his kingdom. And as you further his kingdom, he adds all these things unto you. Jesus was speaking to his disciples one day and he said, you know, there's no one of you that have left families and homes and lands that it will not be given to you a hundredfold both in this life and in the world to come. And the way he meant that is when we become part of the body of Christ, we become part of a union, part of a group of people that have all things in common due to Christ. Whereas we only had one house to lay our head, now because we are united with the body of Christ, we now have a hundred houses we could lay our heads if needed. And in the world to come, God's going to give us paradise where we can lay our head anywhere and it's going to be good weather and it's going to be soft grass and Mm. we'll eat of the tree of life and everything's going to be wonderful. So there's nothing that you give up that God's not going to give you increase if you yield your heart and your life and your mind to him in this creation. That's right. And sometimes he does require that we give up things. He's not about making our lives miserable, but Sometimes we're out of alignment and we're not doing everything that he's asking us to do or we're on a wrong path and he wants us to give things up. And sometimes, as we see all throughout scripture, when people make a choice to follow Jesus and do what he asks them to do, their people that they were living with before, their family or their friends don't understand, and they would reject them and say, well, we can't go with you. And so they lose family and friends and houses and lands. It's happened throughout the history of Christianity that a lot of people that are following God closely will lose things. But God promises that it's not going to stay that way, that he's going to give us our true wealth and our true tribe. You know, when Jesus was in a house teaching once, his mother and brothers came and were trying to get him to get out of there and get home. And a man came to him and said, hey, your mother and brothers are outside. They want you to talk to them. They want you to come home. And he said, who are my mother and my brothers? And he pointed to his disciples and said, these are my mothers and brothers, the ones who will follow and do the will of God. That's how it is for us. We don't ever have to feel like we're losing. It can be painful when you have to lose people that you love because they reject you for following Christ. But what we gain in him, the family and the love and the unity of the brethren is more than enough to replace what we lose. Exactly, and God is always faithful to repay. You know, most likely in your life, between Egypt and the Promised Land, there's going to be a wilderness. There's going to be a stretch of time when it's hot and uncomfortable. You're uncertain how you're going to eat and drink the next day. There's a time of testing. It's a very normal thing in a Christian life. But you can shorten that time of testing through having faith in what God says. Because the time of testing is only until you say, Satan, depart from me. I want to do the will of God. And so when you say, I'm not going to do what you want, Satan, no matter what you do to me, God says enough. And then you pass into the next stage of your Christian life, which is the wedding feast of the Lamb. That's when the miracles start happening. I know that I went through basically seven years of testing. I was being used as a prophet in a certain city. And I really hated it. It's not a very good fit for me to be a prophet. But I was prophesying and things were coming to pass and pastors were listening to me. And I had one person grab my ankles and would not let me go lest I bless him. It was an amazing thing. And all I did is I just said what God wanted me to say. I didn't feel totally spiritual or anything, you know. (laughs) 
But I would walk into like a church and somebody in the congregation would tell them, this is Michael from just outside of Seattle. God says to listen to him. Mm. Never met the guy in my life. The pastor would open up his pulpit for me to speak. And that happened more than once. And I didn't know what to do with it. I was just doing what God wanted me to do when he said to do it. But after that, I went into seven years of wilderness. I lost everything I had. I lost my businesses. I lost where I was staying. And I actually had to go and hang out at the back seven acres of my parents' property up in Washington. Mm. In total shame. I mean, I went bankrupt. And about three and a half years into that, then I got in a really serious wreck. And I got a head injury. And I couldn't remember hardly anything. I was into doctors. And it was just horrible. It was really a wilderness for me. And I remember being back there in the woods because they wouldn't let me cut any trees down. <laughs> <laughs> I would still praise God. Mm. I would still sing to the Lord. And I was still listening to the Holy Spirit, even during all that time of wilderness. And then, long story short, I got a settlement from the people that hit me. And all of a sudden, I was able to pay off all my bills, pay off my parents, which I owed a lot of money to. And I left and came down to Round Town, USA. And everything that I lost was restored. Wow. And more. I got a lot of money. And suddenly I was sitting in a very nice house with zero bills and everything was fine. Mm. Boom. The thing is, it is important when you're in the wilderness that you remain faithful. You know, Joshua and Caleb entered into the promised land when none of their generation did. Why? Because they believed God. They gave a good report. They remained faithful and led God's people even when they were in the wilderness. And when you're faithful, God gives you more. Joshua became the leader of Israel. Caleb went and took that mountain and married Joshua's daughter. We know them by name until this day. They had something and they used it well and God blessed them. I had something small and I used it as God wanted me to. But there was a wilderness in between. But I did remain faithful. I never lost the faith. And God gave me more at the end. And that's how a lot of people's lives are going to be. You think that you're in a wilderness now, but the time comes that you cross Jordan and you enter into the land flowing with milk and honey and you plant your vineyard, build your house. Once you've vanquished the enemy, you settle down and you live nicely. And this is what God has for every one of us, if we will do well with what he gives us now. You may not think you have a lot, but if you're able to walk, if you're able to talk, if you're able to hug, if you're able to kiss, if you're able to read the Bible, if you're able to hear God's voice and speak his word, you have all you need to affect those around you. And the other thing, too, is that you have access to people that I will never meet. That's right. You work with people that... I'll never run across. I'll never be able to talk to them. But Jesus can talk to them through you. Jesus can encourage them. Jesus can love them. And Jesus can put you in a position where you can speak wisdom into their life if they're having a difficult time or encourage them to keep loving even though they've been hurt. And you're doing the work of the kingdom with what you've got. And if you remain faithful in that, in the restoration of all things, more will be given. That's right. And there's another aspect to the idea that more will be given. When Jesus told the parable of the talents, 
He said, if you're faithful with a lot, you will get more. Logically, it seems like he would even the playing field. If you have one talent and you use it well, then you'll get 10. If you have five talents and you use it well, you'll get 10. If you have 10 talents and you use it well, you'll get 10. But that's not how it is. If you are given much, then much is required of you. But if you do what God tells you to do, then you are given even more. A lot of us are given a lot of gifts, spiritual gifts or physical gifts or administration gifts or whatever it is that God's given us to do. And we feel like we only are required to do a certain amount. We think it's good enough. You know, earning a B in God is fine. I know in my experience, after graduating from Bible school with a Bible college degree, if you walk into a church and they know you have a Bible school degree and you're musical, they put you to work immediately. And so every church I was in, I was teaching, I was singing, I was leading worship, I was playing piano, never got a break until I was in a huge church where people didn't know me and I had to hide who I was and hide my talents so that nobody would know so that I could have a break and not be used. But the problem was that I was being put into situations and positions and given work that God didn't really want me to do. Just because someone has the ability to do something doesn't mean that they are necessarily called by God to do it. We need to follow the leading of the Spirit and do what God wants us to do. But when you get into a church and you are teaching and you are cleaning and you are organizing and you are leading worship and you are playing piano and you're doing all these things, you feel like, I am giving everything to God and that's all that could be required of me. Ministering to lots of people, lots of people are being touched and you feel like you're doing enough. But in my experience, I got to a point where I really wanted to give all of myself to God. I wanted to be fully His, and I told Him, I just want you, Jesus, and everything that you want for me, nothing more and nothing less. And on that prayer, God pivoted my entire life, and He changed everything that I was doing, completely took me out of that church that I was up over my head and responsibilities in, and gave me a new responsibility, a new ministry, a new focus, where I am actually used by God in a much broader sense and in a much more powerful way because I'm completely yielded to what He wants me to do. More is given when we use what we have for God. But the point is that we need to be sure that what we are doing with what we've been given is what God wants us to do. It's easy to get burned out. Paul wrote, don't become weary in well-doing. That happens when we do the work of God in our own strength. But when we follow the Spirit and we walk in the flow of God, when we do what God wants us to do, it's a moment-by-moment flow of God, and there's no weariness in it. There's just a continual outpouring of His love and His energy and His strength, and it's a joy to be able to use what God has given you for Him. Exactly. One of the biggest indicators if you're in the will of God is if it's working well. You know, God blesses what He authors, and some of us get caught in doing things that God really never coddled us to do. And so he doesn't bless it. He doesn't put his full weight behind what we're doing. And we find it a struggle. We find it a difficulty. And we get burnt out, like you say. And we get weary in well-doing. And we just want to quit. But we can't quit because of how it will look, what people will say, Mm -hmm. and just being disappointed in ourselves. We don't ever consider that maybe we made a wrong turn at Albuquerque five years ago. Right. And God really doesn't want us to be doing what we're doing. I remember I was sitting in a, God called it, the field of judgment over in Waco. And I was in over my head. God was moving in such a powerful way that I didn't know what to do. And I sat there for like a month. In the morning, I'd go and I'd sit there and I'd sit there until afternoon. Then I'd go home. Until people started wondering what I was doing, coming up and asking me. I said, I'm just praying, you know, oh, good. 
And uh, <laughs> but I was praying about what to do, and um, you know, eventually I left. And I'm not sure if I should have left or I should have stayed. But I wasn't feeling the same pull to be there in Waco that I was. And so I left, and that is when I started my wilderness. Things just went downhill from there until I was sitting in the middle of Indiana in a foot and a half of snow wondering what I was going to do next a couple months later. I went through a lot, and it's not like we know exactly what God wants us to do every step of the way. That's we do right. our best. That's right. And sometimes we make mistakes. I may have made a mistake leaving Waco because maybe God wanted me to do something else there. I mean, the whole city was pretty much not happy with me. Maybe a more seasoned prophet would have known what to do, but I mm. I think I was just a guy who showed up. You know, <laughs> I wasn't the first call. <laughs> You know, I was the understudy of the understudy of the understudy. But you were willing. But I was just there, you Mm -hmm. know. And so God was doing those things. And I think that even if we make a mistake, and even if we go into the wilderness, we don't give up. Mm -hmm. We know the wilderness ends eventually. And it's better to learn the lessons in the wilderness so you can shorten your experience there than to... Be stubborn and not recognize where you're at. I mean, if you're in the wilderness, you're in the wilderness. It sucks. But the truth is, if you'll remain steady in the wilderness, you'll be the Joshua and Caleb of your generation. More will be given to you because of your faithfulness during the difficult time. And that's my story to a T. So I want to encourage you that are listening to us that if you're in the wilderness, don't despair. You can recognize you're in the wilderness of sin and it's tough to get water. It's tough to find shelter. You know, maybe you didn't follow the pillar of cloud and smoke and you're falling behind and you've got to do some catch up. It's okay to change your position, mm-hmm. to be where God is. And that's really the basic thing that most of us have to do is just change our position. And most of that is changing our position in our theology. It could be changing our position of where we live, who we live with. we got to be flexible in God. That's what God's telling me right now, is that I have to be flexible. You know, I tend to get going in one direction. It's very difficult to turn me from that direction. But I've learned in God that I cannot preset what God's going to do. I just have mm-hmm. to, on a daily basis, do what he wants to do and allow him to take care of the bigger picture. Right. We need to recognize that God's blessings supersede the blessings that we tend to think we're going to receive with our natural mind. People that pursue things of this world, wealth, position, whatever they think their dreams entail, if they are coming from a natural minded position, they're going to find those things to be unfulfilling. The blessings of God when He gives you more are satisfying and they're fulfilling. Exactly. We can't store up our treasures on earth according to what we think is going to make us happy and what is going to make life good because what makes life good is living every moment with Him in His presence. The blessing of having His love and living in His spirit supersedes anything we could get on this earth. Plus, we get blessings, we get provision, we get relationships, we get goodness that comes into our lives when we're in obedience to God. There was a family I knew who was building a house on a piece of property that they had. And while they were building their house, they were living as a family in a tent on their property. And they were hoping to get the house done before winter fell. But when they were building the house, they had their eyes on the house. They weren't focused on the tent. 
It's like our life now is the tent, but we're building a house that's a real house that we want to store up treasures in for heaven. What if they had ordered windows for their house, and instead of putting them in their house, they put them in their tent? Well, we don't have any windows in our tent. I really would like to have some windows because it'd be nice to get some fresh air. Let's just put the windows in the tent. That'll be fine. And when they came to deliver the hardwood floors, no, don't put it in the house. Let's put it in the tent because that's where we're living right now, and we want to be comfortable now. Then all the supplies that were supposed to go into the house would go into the tent. Then when winter fell... They'd be freezing in this little tent instead of having this house that they were supposed to be pouring it into. We need to see our lives in the same way. We can't store up treasures on this earth where we're going to be putting it into a tent that's going to be destroyed. The way that you store up treasures in heaven is that you follow God moment by moment and obey Him. And the incredible thing about that is that you also are given more when you are faithful with what you've been given in this life and in the life to come. Right now, I'm engaged in writing Seraph Hunter, and it's a series of books that I'm writing. I'm on the second book now. But what I wanted in my mind's eye is I wanted a little writer's nook. And I had some space down here in the basement. I said, you know, I'd really like to fix it up so it'd be comfortable for me just to read and write and plan and, you know, just kind of a a writer's cubbyhole. Mm Mm-hmm. But I looked at what I would need, and I thought, well, I'd like this certain kind of chair and wow, that's pretty expensive, and like this certain kind of bookcase, but that's kind of expensive, and on and on and on, you know, until I kind of talked myself out of it. So I just kept writing at my regular desk, and pretty soon I was down at a secondhand store, and I saw this really big, overstuffed, old-style chair, you know, and it was a little bit ragged, but it was kind of cool. It had character, you know, and it was 40 bucks. I can afford 40 bucks, and it had a footstool, too. And so I took it home, I put it there. And pretty soon, I was down at the second-hand store again, and there was this little cabinet, like a bookcase, and it was $15. And it kind of matched the chair. And so mm-hmm. I said, I can afford $15. And so I took that home, and I got there. And I really wanted two large bookcases <laughs> to kind of separate the room here. And I had calculated, even if I made them, it'd be five, 600 bucks for the materials. Well, I was down there again, and there were two bookcases, the exact signs I wanted, and each of them were 20 bucks a piece. <laughs> the long and short of it, I've got the exact nook that I wanted for probably under 200 bucks. Right. And it's what I need. I don't need anything more. God provided and gave me more than I could afford because I just kept doing what he wanted me to do. Exactly, yeah. And and this is how it goes in a lot of our lives. If you just keep doing what God calls you to do, the more will be given. And you'll get what you want, maybe in a different way than you thought it would come, or maybe your goal will change slightly, but in the end, you'll be very satisfied. And you'll have more than you thought you could get with your natural-minded plan. Mm -hmm. And I'm certainly happy with my little writer's nook, and I have post-it notes on all the walls and (laughs) pictures and timelines and everything and i'm having a great time doing what i feel god wants me to do right now you can too all you have to do is know god's voice hear his word for yourself personally and do it and i tell you the more will be given that's right and the more will be given because what you do in god is so satisfying there's not a lot of people that would want to sit down and write a chapter of a book every week But you enjoy that because that's what God has called you to do. And that thing about working for God is that when you're walking in what He wants you to do, it is very satisfying, it is very fulfilling, you feel blessed just by living the life that you live. We don't always know what we want. People always pursue things because 
they think things are going to make them feel a certain way. Really, it's all about how we think things are going to make us feel. We want a really good relationship because it will make us feel loved. It will make us feel special. It will make us feel good about ourselves. We want a good job because we will feel good having the recognition. We imagine we will. Anyway. We imagine we will. We feel like we want a lot of money because then we'll feel secure. We'll be able to buy the things that we want and that will feel good. We're always in pursuit of what we think is going to make us feel better. But all those things are false if they're not something that God wants to give us. We think this particular thing will make me feel this way, but what if God says, no, that's not going to make you feel this way, but this will make you feel the way you want to feel. And everything that we want, the satisfaction, the love, the, the recognition, the provision, everything that we want is available to us in God. And we access it by living the life He wants us to live and yielding ourselves to Him completely. Then we get what we desire and more not in our selfishness and in our natural-minded thinking about what we want, but what He knows we truly want. He doesn't call us to live a life of suffering, not for a long period of time. We all go through wilderness times, like you were talking about. But the end result of that is to build our character so that we can step into the greatness that He has for us and be able to have in ourselves the ability to do everything He wants us to do and be the people He wants us to be. So if we learn what He wants us to learn in the difficult times and stay faithful— He intends to bring us out of that. And when He does bring us out of that, He will bring us into that promised land, that land that is satisfying and fulfilling, but it might not be what you thought was going to make you happy, but it will be what He knows will make you happy and fulfilled. Yeah, oftentimes I wonder what people would think if they knew the story of my entire journey. Mm -hmm. I remember I was talking to somebody in Israel, this lady, she lives in Jerusalem, and She was telling me her life story. And as she went, I progressively got more skeptical that she had really done this. Because, I mean, this was zigzag extraordinaire. (laughs) Yeah, boom, she'd hear, and boom, she's here, and boom, she's here, different places in the world. And boom, now she's in Jerusalem. And I thought to myself, wow, I don't know if I can believe that. And then it struck me like a bolt of lightning my story sounds exactly the same, if not worse. (laughs) And I said, thank you for sharing. And I believed her. Because that is really how God moves. Mm -hmm. His plans are over and above our plans. You know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. The best we can hope to do is just listen to his voice and do what he says to do at any given moment and trust that his plan that we'll never understand Mm -hmm. will work out. And really, trusting his plan will work out a lot better than trusting our plan will work out. We don't know what's coming. I remember before COVID hit, I felt strongly to bring somebody over here to live for a while. And it made no sense. It was my last money I had Hmm. that I sent somebody for a plane ticket. I just did it. God said to do it. So I did it. And they came. And they've literally set out COVID here in comfort where where they were, would have been a hellhole. Yeah, possibly death. Exactly. I didn't know what was coming. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was COVID coming. I just knew that God at that point told me to do that. And had I not done it then, in a couple weeks, they would not have been able to come. This is how God does stuff. We trust and obey, and God takes care of the rest. Mm -hmm. It's been a blessing that I did not have to worry about them over in that place. Right. And God has made a way every step of the way. And that is how things go in most Christians' lives that are spirit-led. You don't know what the next step is. You don't know how you're going to get from A to B to C. 
But God does, and that's all that's important. And if you're faithful in the small things, more will be given to you. God will make up the difference. God will repay your faithfulness in kind and given to you, pressed down, shaken, and overflowing. We don't know what is to come, and God doesn't feel the need to tell us. He doesn't need to say, I want you to fly this person from that country to this country because there's a horrible pandemic coming and I want them to be here so they can be safe. He doesn't have to explain that. He just says, do this. And if we listen to him and obey him, we will see the result. And if you're going through a wilderness time or you're going through something that's difficult and you feel it's undeserved because all you've been doing is trying to serve God, but you're having things come against you or people come against you, just continue to be faithful. And as you continue to be faithful, you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You're going to see God repay you for your faithfulness. And he will do that in such an amazing way that you will look back and say, wow, that was definitely worth it. Because what ended up coming from this situation has been so amazing that everything becomes worth it. More is given because he is a God who is generous. He's a God who is abundant. He's not a God who wants to keep us down, who wants us to feel lack. In the new heavens and the new earth, there is no lack of anything. There's not even darkness. There's always light. There's always love. There's always provision. There's everything that we need in abundance. That's the nature of God. When Jesus was on earth, there was everything that they needed. If somebody needed something to eat, there was something to eat from Jesus. If somebody needed money to pay taxes, there was money to pay taxes from Jesus. That's the nature of God. He wants to give us everything that we want, but he gave it to those people who were following him. Peter gave up his job to follow Jesus. So when it came time to pay the temple tax, what was he going to do? He didn't have a job. Jesus provided. Go down, fish. The first fish you pull out, you're going to see a coin. It's going to be enough for your tax and my tax. That's the way that God provides when we follow him and do what he wants us to do. More is always given when we're in that place. And you want to be in that place where you are in the favor of God, in the blessing of God, in the flow of God, then everything that you need will come to you. Yeah. And that brings up another point. It's proximity to God. Mm. You know, when you're in the wilderness of sin, it was a wilderness. It was a hot, dry, forbidding place. But if you're with God and following the pillar of fire and smoke, you got manna every day. You got shelter from the sun. You got light during the darkness. God did miracles. So in our day and age, we need to be near God now. Now, where is God dwelling? Well, in that day, he was in a pillar of fire and smoke. But in these last days, God has chosen to manifest himself through his son, Jesus Christ. All the fullness of the Godhead indwelt him bodily. He was the expressed image of the unseen God. Now we are the body of Christ, and God now dwells in us through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so now, to be near God, to be in proximity to God, where do you need to be? You need to be in proximity to the body of Christ because that's where God is dwelling now. Jesus is off making a place for us. He said so. He left. He left his Holy Spirit here inside of us so that he could continue to fellowship with us. So to be in proximity to God, what you do is you allow God to connect you spiritually with another individual or another group of individuals, and you stick with them, because that's where you're going to find God now. People make a mistake if they think they're going to go up into some high mountain and find God now. No, that's not where he is. He's not in the high places anymore. He's right next to you in church in the person that God wants to draw you to. Now, it's not your best guess. 
you don't just don't look over the room and see who you'd like to get to know. Right. No, this is a spiritual experience. This mm-hmm. is like being saved or spirit-filled. It is a profound thing. And when God draws you to somebody, you'll know it. Yeah, I mean, definitely. there's no doubt in your spirit. I mean, your mind may be going crazy, but <laughs> right. you'll know that God has put you together with that person or persons. And this is where you'll find God now. And if you want that more to manifest in your life, you'll make it your mission in life to allow God to connect you to another person or persons in his body, because that's how the body is fitly joined together. It's not through doctrine. It's through God connecting you supernaturally with specific members of the body of Christ. And for a lot of people, they've begun to experience this in different times in their lives with different people, but they cut it short. They refused to go on because it violated their sense of tradition or doctrine or propriety or whatever it was. They didn't trust God. And God was trying to connect you, but you said, oh, I can't do that because that would look funny. Mm-hmm. Well, it is going to look funny because the church is so out of sync with where God right. is. But if you'll let God give you a little bit in another person, God's going to give you more in the future. And you're going to find that all your needs and all the desires to know God are going to be fulfilled in an abundant way and in a way that you never thought could come to you. And I tell you, from personal experience, I'm not talking theory here. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm talking about. God is amazing through another individual of the body of Christ. You will never know God to the extent that you can know him in another individual. If you want a manifestation of Jesus Christ to come to you, you want Jesus to talk to you, Jesus to look at you, Jesus to listen to you, this is how it happens. And that's the more that God wants to give us. In this current move of God, God flowing by his spirit with this dynamic love, filling his people and connecting them, that's where we get the more. Because we get more love, we get more acceptance, we get more understanding, which allows us to be vulnerable and open and receive healing. We get more provisions. When you are connected with the body of Christ, you share because you want to share. If I have something, I will give it to you because I love you. If I have a car and you don't, you can use my car. That's how things work in the body of Christ when you're with those that you are supposed to be connected to because you love them as you love yourself. And so everything that is yours is theirs. It was just like the early church in the book of Acts. They loved being together. They loved the manifestation of God. Like Jesus said, when two or three or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. That is where we're going to really experience him. And as we come together, we want to be together. So consequently, we all live in the same location, or we share the same food, or we share the same vehicles, or whatever it is that we have, we share, because that's our heart, and that is how we get more. If I bring what I have, and you bring what you have, then we have more than we would have had individually, and that's how God will bring us more. Economies of spiritual scale. That's right. (laughs) It's an amazing thing. The body of Christ is not poor. Not at all. At all. We are filthy rich. It means that we're, we're poor in our hearts towards each other because we're all trying to manage the little that we have mm-hmm. and keep it ourselves. And hold on to it for the fear of losing yeah. it. Yeah. But when you're connected in the spirit with other people, you trust them because you trust God in them. And so the little that you have, you add to the little they've got. And you do that a few times, you find out you all have a lot. You know, communism never works because man without God is selfish. But having all things in common, being spirit-led like they were in the body of Christ, 
at the first century, that worked because God distributes as every member has a need, and the Holy Spirit moves among them, and the Holy Spirit gives honesty and compassion and a sense of caring for others more than you care for yourself because you trust God to take care of you. Mm-hmm. This is what we're finding. You know, here at Elysia, we find that we have more because we trust and we love God. And we really don't have to take thought for tomorrow because God always makes tomorrow work out. We have enough for today and we bless God for that. And as people are coming to Elysia, we are finding that their individual talents are handpicked for what God is doing here. And we're starting to see form a microcosm of the body of Christ. And I'm very encouraged because the body of Christ, when it starts to function, is amazing. Yeah. And you find out you have everything you need. Mm-hmm. And God opened doors that you don't think would be ever open in your life. Once you start expanding your awareness with God's help, you see that God has a different plan that you ever thought possible. And he's making connections. He's making things possible to do his will that you would have ever thought about. And so I'm very encouraged about the body of Christ that when it gets going, it's going to be something pretty yeah, amazing. that's right. And you really want to be part of it. One lady says she was going to build an Elysia over in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. And I pray that that happens. You know, all the poverty that we see in the world is basically a poverty of heart. Yeah. We don't have because we hoard. Yeah. We don't have because we're prideful and we don't want other people to succeed. But what happens if we all trust God and we all are for other people succeeding? Then instead of having to succeed just by ourselves, we have tens or hundreds of people that are for us that want us to succeed mm. because we are wanting them to succeed. It's an amazing thing. You can't even hardly understand it in your mind because it doesn't fit. But in the spirit, it works beautifully. It does. And we have such a lack mentality in the world today. We usually focus on the fact that we don't have, or we don't have as much as we like. We have things and we feel like we have to hoard them in order to keep them. But that's what God means when he says, if you have been given a lot and you use it the way that God tells you to use it, then more will be given. And when we live in the economy of God, there's always abundance. And if I have $100 and it's my last $100, but God says to give it to the person next door and I do, then I'll probably go home and find a check for $200 in my mailbox. That's how God works. When we give what he tells us to give of our lives, of our belongings, of our money, then we have enough. More is always given. There's always enough in God. We don't need to fear lack when we are walking in obedience, not just doing it randomly or flippantly, but walking in how God tells us to give, what God tells us to do. We can be ensured that we're going to have enough. I want to encourage you. It's always good to do good. You know, that's how I came to be when I was over visiting in Africa. It is always good to do good. And I don't know how it happened, but I never was without money in Africa. And every time I'd go to the ATM, which was daily, I'd ask God how much money I should take out. And to the shilling, he'd tell me how much money I should get out. Wow. And every day to the shilling, I would spend that much money. Wow. And if by unbelief I didn't, I'd go back to the (laughs) ATM that day and get more (laughs) money out. But I never relaxed. Sometimes I ate rice and beans and slept on a three-inch foam mattress, but I never lacked. You know, and God was with me in retrospect more than I thought he was with me when I was actually going through it. And I think that 
it's what we're all going to find when we eventually get to heaven is that when we look back on our lives, we're going to say, you know, God, you were really with me and you were a God of your word is what you were. And you did exactly what you said you would do. The only time that we messed up is when we didn't believe you. Yeah. There's a lady right now who is helping me and she's doing so free of charge. It's amazing that she's doing it. And she's very faithful at it. And she's very good at what she does. I want to tell everybody that this woman will be blessed. God will repay in spades. The desires of her heart will be given to her and more. And I'm sure that she has things that she would like to have happen. Things that maybe she's prayed about. Her hopes and desires and dreams and things like this. And she's being faithful in little. And Mm -hmm. God will say, you know, you've been faithful in little. I'm going to give you more. Yeah. And that's how the kingdom of God operates. We give, we go and spend our time with people when we should be doing something else in the natural to make ends meet. And then God makes up the difference. And and not only gives us what we need, he gives us more than we need. And that's what I'm finding in my life. Now, it's not easy. I'm not saying this is some panacea for everything that is wrong in your life. You're still going to go through difficulties. You're still going to have your faith challenged. I am surprised how many times I still get nervous doing things that are half as crazy as I used to do. It still feels uncomfortable when God asks you to walk on water. You know, it's just (laughs) stuff. never gets commonplace. So God's going to give you more. I guess that's what I want you to get into your spirit today. God is going to give you more because you've been faithful in little. And you can take that to the bank of heaven and they'll (laughs) cash that check. That's right. God just writes more and you give it to them and they give it to Mm. you. And everyone who names Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, who sacrifices even a cup of water for a prophet, will get a prophet's reward. They'll get more than they ever thought possible. And that is God's promise. And he really wants to bless you. And you'll never see it coming. You'll just wake up one day and you say, wow, I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? How did that happen? You yeah. Know? How did this come to me? It can be so amazing. It's just being faithful to what he's asking you to do. And even beyond the physical, there is a provision if we trust him with, with our hearts and our emotions and our relationships. God wants us to do good and be kind. And God wants us to not defend ourselves when we're attacked or someone says something that's not true or offensive. If we will allow him to take care of it and still react in love and kindness, he'll take care of it. When we feel like we've got to take the situation in our own hands, it just leads us down a horrible rabbit hole that's hard to get out of. I had that situation the other day when I said something to someone and they took offense at what I said. And I ended the conversation and I felt that I should just stop right there. But instead, I just got angry and I went back and engaged again. And it just got to be a really bad conversation, totally unnecessary. And it just put me in a place emotionally and spiritually where I was just not moving the way I should move, reacting the way I should react, thinking the way I should think. And it wasn't until I could let that go and get back to where I needed to be in God and just say, I'm going to trust you to take care of everything in my life, including my reputation, including what people think of me. I'm just going to give that to you. Then I felt like I was in a better place, but it was not necessary for me to to jump in there and defend myself because God would have taken care of it. It just takes you to a bad place when you feel like you've got to hoard. I've got to take care of this. I don't trust God to take care of this. I'm going to do it myself. That's bondage. The freedom is in just releasing everything to God. And he, give this money? Okay, I will. Open up your house? Okay, I will. Don't respond? Okay, I won't. And then flow in that beautiful freedom and provision that God has. Exactly. That's God's economy. 
I want you to know that we've lived everything we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It comes from experience. This is not a doctrine we teach. This is experience that we're sharing with you because we want you to be blessed also. Now, your experience with God will vary, okay? Because you're an individual before the Most High. And you will have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he'll talk to you individually and you'll develop your own thing and your own way of doing things. And he will lead you individually. And you will have more in a very special way. That's right. Not in our way, in your way. And that's how God wants it. Because if you have a lot of people being led by the Holy Spirit, you become like a flock of the starlings. You see them in the sky and they just seem like magic to turn all at one time. And they just have fantastical shapes and they never bump into each other. No, they don't. Isn't that amazing? We are the starlings of God. We are led by his spirit. And as we are all led by the spirit, we find a unity of the spirit, which will lead to a unity of the faith because we all know one person. Right. And we have one experience that varies over a large area, but it's still one guy. And we'll say, yeah, we know God. Yeah, I know God too, because he's like this. Yeah, I find that true. And we'll marvel at the different administrations, but there'll be one spirit. Be one. It's like a tapestry when each person is a different color thread. And when you're zoomed in on where you're knitting the thread, it looks weird. There's a red one and a blue one and a gold one. What is this going to be? But when you back off and look at the entire picture, you see how each individual color of thread makes a beautiful picture. Exactly. That's how we are. We may think what we're doing is insignificant, but it's not. When we are yielded to God and doing what he asks us to do, it's very, very important. It's a little part of a big picture, and it's vital. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have on God's Love Club this week. But first, mm. a word from our sponsor. Wow. Church of the Superficial, you gotta see us pray. First Church of the Superficial, come be a member today. And now, coming to you live from that cathedral built for us, the Righteous Reverend. Hi, how are you? I am the Righteous Reverend of the First Church of the Superficial, where we are increased with goods and have need of nothing. Can you say amen? Amen. I have an announcement today that I want to clarify a very, very important point to my congregation. You. And this point is our stand on divorce. Now, I know this is a very serious topic and something I will address very, very directly. Now, our stand here at the First Church of the Superficial is that we do not condone divorce. We just don't do that. If you want to get divorced, you're going to have to leave the church and go do it someplace else and come back after two weeks. Okay? This is the Righteous Reverend. Be blessed. Thank you for coming to the end of God's Love Club. You are a special person, intrepid in the spirit, courageous in God that you've come an entire hour listening Mm, to what we're saying. You get a gold star. And if you've done more than 10, we get for you a platinum start. Ooh. Yes. So you <laughs> have a great week. Be blessed. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't be, right? You know, God's not being hard on you. Mm-hmm. He loves you. He understands. He knows what you're going through. Just look at his face, unbow yourself, and have a time with God personally. Yes. That's what you need. You know, you can listen to us, and that's okay, but... 
five minutes in his presence. That's mm-hmm. even better than anything we could ever say. Yeah, he is for you and we're for you and you're going to succeed. Amen. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.